we're going to continue to revisit and look at and underline again and lay again uh, foundations in this great subject of life in the Spirit. And uh, even now, uh, Ashley feels God may be laying something on his heart for next Sunday, so that's good. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're, you know, we just want to be open to what God... I just uh, said to Ashley at the beginning of the week, I felt something around communion. And we were just meeting, praying, sharing on Tuesday as we're, as we're doing every Tuesday and just began to share. And Ashley mentioned uh, a verse uh, from Ephesians. So we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, and as part of this, we're going to share communion together. So if you have come in during the worship, please make sure you do take one of the, uh, the two cups there, the bread and the juice, and we'll share communion together. This is very much about being together. Just a sense this morning of a sense of family, a sense of being together. I love the way Dave just came and fathered us there. Then he just stood there and just fathered us. It's just wonderful, Dave. I love that. As a real father in the church. And uh, I just appreciate that. Ephesians 4, very famous chapter, certainly in our New Frontiers world. A chapter's been preached on many, many times, but perhaps we don't always look so much at the first verses. We tend to go on a bit later on the verses after these and dig into them lots. But Ephesians 4 verse 1, As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the revealer of truth, you reveal Jesus, you reveal the Father, you lead us into truth. And we just pray now as we open these words, as we reflect on them just for a few moments, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to understand the truth of your words, because we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There is a unity of the Spirit, which the Apostle Paul is urging the church at Ephesus to make every effort to keep. What is this unity of the Spirit? If we're going to keep something, if we're being urged apostolically by the Apostle Paul, if being urged to keep something, we, we need to understand it. We need to, to grasp it. Well, it's a big subject. I'm told that there's someone in the room who's actually written a dissertation on this whole subject. So maybe they should speak on it another time, Simon. Um, but um, anyway, I've, I felt a bit daunted when I heard that a dissertation had been written on it. I thought, oh goodness, that, he's going to be checking me up about this. Anyway, but, so I'm just going to take a little tiny part of what I recognize is a huge subject, the subject of unity. But I just was struck by this phrase, unity uh, of the Spirit. I, I just found myself so much in these last days 
uh, really, and just as we've been going into this life in the Spirit, of living with the Trinity, which is a good thing. It's a good place to be. But I just was struck again that, for me, where does this start, this unity of the Spirit? It starts in the very heart of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In verse 11 of Jesus' great prayer in John 17, just before he's about to go to the cross in John 17, verse 11, Jesus is asking the Father to, for the protection of his people. At that part of the prayer, it's particularly those who are very close to him, those that the Father had given to him, the disciples and, and others around him, and he's, he's praying for those who are close. And he's, he's praying that the Father would protect them And he says in verse 11, that they may be one as we are one. Speaking to the Father, and he said, Father, would you protect them that they may be one as we are one? And then that great prayer goes on. And then in verse 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who believe in me through their message. That's you and I, okay? That's everyone else. It's uh, those that the Father is giving. And this is what he prays. Verse 21 uh, of John 17. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. There's some profound truth going on here. This is Trinitarian theology, okay? I hope you're feeling a bit robust just for a moment. But it's so, so key for us to grasp this life in the Spirit. What does life in the Spirit do? What is it? How do we respond as we walk in the Spirit, as we live in the Spirit? What is the implications for us individually and corporately? Well, we get some clues here in John 17. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Unity in the Spirit is a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue. It's a display of the good news. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Jesus had begun to breathe upon his Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. The fullness of the Spirit was going to come upon them. But there is a deposit that Jesus is giving to his disciples and he longs for all that would know him to receive. What is this, what is this glory? What is this position? What is this infilling? That they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The unity in the Trinity and our unity together with the Father and the Son and with one another, is a display to the world. One of the main ways that Satan loves to attack the church is through division. Christians falling out with each other. 
Sadly, I suspect that quite a few of us, if we went around this room and told some stories, quite a few of us would have experienced that at some measure. It's very painful. It's very divisive. It's very destructive. Satan loves to attack the church through division. One of the main reasons for this line of attack is that the enemy of God and the enemy of God's people will try to do anything to corrupt, to distort, to turn people away from the glorious display of unity that is in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is a glory in the Trinity, the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And that is to be seen in the church. Uh, but, and so if the enemy can get the church attacking itself and attacking each other, it will take people away from seeing the glory of the Trinity. It's a unity that we've been called and led into by the Holy Spirit. How can the enemy attack the things of God? By attacking us. So we need to to know this. And we need to be aware of it. One of the reasons that we believe it's so important for us to grasp and understand this life in the Spirit is that one of the greatest things that the Holy Spirit does is, is lead us, draw us into what the theologians call the divine life. Did you know you have a divine life? Now you're in Christ. You've been been ushered into, you've been brought into a divine life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Brings us into relationship with the Godhead. You see, it's not just about Jesus. It's not Jesus is my mate. Yes, he is my friend, he's my Lord and he's my saviour. But actually, I'm now seated with him in heavenly places. I'm actually seated with the Godhead, with the Father and the Son through life in the Spirit. There's something very glorious. I'm part of a divine life brought into relationship with the Godhead. And that unity of the Spirit will be a sign and a wonder displaying the heart and the nature of God. So Ephesians 4, let's come back to that again. Verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all through all and in all. We are going to take communion in just a moment. But before we take communion together, I want to highlight an important truth for us to understand. Just forgive me repeating again. We've just read one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of it all. Here's the truth I want us to get hold of today. If God were a single person, if God were just this God entity on his own as it were, that oneness, if you like, the oneness of that God, would also mean sameness. There wouldn't be anything different. But we believe in the Trinity. 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so oneness in the triune God means unity. It means unity. As the Father is absolutely one with the Son, and yet the Father is not the Son, so Jesus prays that believers might be one, but he doesn't pray that they might be all the same. He doesn't say, Father, I pray that they would all be the same, that they would all speak the same and look the same and dress the same and have the same haircut and all those other things. Some of us will be aware that there are movements across the world where actually that is the pressure to be all the same. But that doesn't display the glory of the Godhead. We are not all the same. We're not made the same. Created them male and female in the image of this triune God. It's right there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, okay, I will. Is that what it says in Genesis 1, 26? John? It's not, is it? Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. There are glorious, wonderful differences between us. As the Spirit unites us and brings us together, we value the way that the triune God has made us, each one of us, unique. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And you know I've been uh, digging into Michael Reeves' little book. I've mentioned it numbers of times, The Good God. It's only a little book, but it's just packed full of truth around. But let me just quote again from him um, around this subject. So it's not just that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit call us into fellowship with themselves. They share their heavenly harmony, that there might be harmony on earth. That people of different genders, languages, hobbies, gifts might be one in peace and love. That one day, with one heart and one voice, we might cry, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation 7. And that is what the family of God, by its very existence, makes known to the world, that the God of harmony is the hope for the world's peace, that he can and he will unite enemies, rivals, strangers into one loving family under his care. Sharing communion together 
is a picture of this. One of the things, sometimes we break into little groups and we share communion. We just felt today we want to encourage you where you are sitting together. We're going to take this bread and we're going to take this cup together as a picture of our, as uh, Peter reminded me from Peter and Mary, of common union. The common union, the communion that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ and with one another. And this is a work of the Spirit. The Spirit brings about this this unity. It's a picture. Jesus instigated this act at the Last Supper with the disciples as they were together with him. The closest sense of friendship and fellowship we know that they, in those days, the Roman uh, picture was to uh, have these long, like sort of chaise long kind of, uh, uh, that you would lie out on and you would eat. Uh, not very good for indigestion, but, <laughs> um, but that's what they would do. But they would actually lean up against one another. And we know that John was leaning up against Jesus. In fact, John was, it's almost like John's ear was on the, on the chest of Jesus. He was hearing the heartbeat of Jesus. There's an incredible sense of friendship and, and fellowship in that, in that last supper. But even there, we see Judas getting ready to betray Jesus. And so the prayer that Jesus prays in John 17, it, it's just before Judas then brings the soldiers to arrest him and ultimately lead him to be crucified on the cross. You can see the, the heart of Jesus as he's praying. The protection of God over this incredible sense of fellowship and relationship. But recognizing there's a battle. It's a battle going on. And so Jesus prays, I pray that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. The Father eternally loving the Son. The Son eternally loving the, uh, the Father. The Holy Spirit in there delighting in the love of the Father and the Son. And, and then Jesus says, they can be part of that. You can be part of that today. That as we remember what Jesus did upon the cross, we enter into that union. So we say, Holy Spirit, would you help us to understand? But also, it causes us to recognize that we need to work at building that relationship together. We need to work at realizing and recognizing and understanding who we are in Christ the relationship we have, we need to work at building with one another, speaking well of one another, building up one another, encouraging one another, blessing one another. And if there are things that we have against one another here in this fellowship or maybe in other places, we're given an invitation, an opportunity to say, no, I'm going to commit as best as I can. I'm going to put that right. I'm going to make that right. Paul says, make every effort. Make, an, make the effort to keep the unity in the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is a battle. We need to know and receive and live out this truth by the Spirit. Let me read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7. It's a very interesting set of, of verses. This is 
Some famous words that you'll recognize that often get read at communion, but some of the other words don't get read. 1 Corinthians 11. In the following instructions, Paul says to the Corinthians, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if there are, you're more harm than good is being done when you meet together. First, I hear there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. To some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. He's really having to go to town with these Corinthians. Some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say, he says to them? Do you want me to praise you? I certainly will not praise you for this. For I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink of it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's why some of you and many of you are weak and sick and some of you have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry... Eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about other things after I arrive. Wow. Why do I work hard to make? Why do I make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit? To display the heart of God that the world might know that the Father sent the Son, that they might see, that they might experience just how much each one is loved, even as much as the Father loves the Son. Slightly complicated, but I hope you've, you've grasped. There is a work of the Spirit there is a unity that the Spirit brings to us. But it's not just something that somehow is placed on us or injected in us. 
It's something that we <coughs> join in with. We participate. There's a, an action on our part. There's a response on our part. So you hear words like examine, consider, stop for a moment. Think about where you are in your relationship with God, where you are in your relationship with one another. I didn't read those verses because I feel there's a massive judgment on us as a church. But just to see the context that Paul is saying, that he's using there. As we understand it, we think that what was happening was that they would get together in a particular place and, and, the, and the rich people, the homeowners and so on and so forth, they would, they would get there earlier and the servants who were clearing up or doing other jobs would be left behind at the house But they were also believers. But did you hear those verses that I read from Psalm 37, um, uh, Psalm 36 at at the beginning? Did you hear those? Let me let me read. In fact, why don't I invite you to stand before we take communion? Your love, O Lord. Reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies, your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. Here it is. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is for everyone. It's for every one of us. Both high and low. Here in Corinth, some of them were being pushed out. They were being left out. Those who could were pushing on, but they weren't recognizing the body. They weren't recognizing the the unity that they'd been drawn into, the unity of the Father and the Son. So I just want to... Maybe, Hannah, could you, you serve us? I just, I just would love us to take a moment. In a moment, we're going to sit down and we'll pick up the, 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 the bread and the wine together. But let's just, as Hannah plays and just ministers to us musically, let's just take a moment to do two things. One, to, to examine ourselves, just to think about maybe this past week, think about things you've been carrying, things you've been saying, attitudes. The grace of God gives us an opportunity right now to, to confess those things before the Lord's to bring them to him. To come again to that precious blood of the Lord Jesus that was shed to forgive us our sin. Maybe there there are attitudes or relationships that God just would want to put his finger on today. Spirit is just at work in your life and saying, it's time now to make that phone call as soon as you're able to write that letter. Maybe there's 
someone that you've been out of fellowship with or there's been a wrong attitude of heart. And the, the Lord doesn't want to condemn us. He doesn't want to crush us this morning. But he wants us to know the second thing, which is he wants us to know the glorious unity of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, which we are part of. And that as we are part of it, that's part of our witness to the world. That the world may know the love of the Father as we love one another. As we care for one another, as we reach out to the stranger, as we connect to those who are not like us. Those who are different to us. answer to our attitude towards the poor, the answer to the attitudes in our heart towards those who are not of our background or our skin color or our ethnicity, the answer to all of those things is found in the Trinity. It's found in the unity that is in the Godhead, that is glorious, the family of the Godhead. And Jesus is praying just before he goes to the cross, Father, that they may be one as we are one. Holy Spirit, we ask you today for revelation of that unity that we have been brought into. The bond of peace. How will there be peace in the world between nations, between any kind, genders, ethnicity it's through the spirit through the spirit it's through that glorious picture in the trinity so we confess before the Lord where we know we have failed where we've fallen down it doesn't mean we can't come to the table but we confess we ask forgiveness We also pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand, to equip us and enable us over the garden fence, across the the work desk, in the way that we speak, in the way that we write emails, in the way that we respond to those who are not like us or think differently to us. It starts with the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Holy Spirit, just come and speak to us again today. Come and lead us into truth. As we share communion together, as we remember your death. Lord, would you unite us as a people here in this room and those who are not able to be with us today. We pray for those who are not able to be with us whether by, through work circumstances or through sickness, through uh, continuing need to, need to be cautious. Father, we pray for each one that you would, in these days, you'd unite us as a people and that we might display your glory to the world. We might display your love to the world. So I invite you, perhaps you'd like to seat, be seated because it's probably easiest. And let's just take this, uh, these cups together. we just want to say Lord Jesus we want to thank you for your body that was given we want to thank you for your blood that was shed 
We want to thank you for the common union that we have in fellowship and relationship together through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's part of our, our witness. We want to do this regularly and actively and of, oftenly. We do this in remembrance until he comes again. And so we say thank you to the Lord. We can take off our masks and we can share communion. Let's share communion. I'm going to go and stand with Jackie here. Let's, let's take this communion together as a fellowship, as family together, as body together. Thank you, Lord Jesus.